Are you tired of people only telling you what you want to hear and not what you need to hear? Me too. I'm Lauren Lahav, and for the last 30 years, I've been blessed to speak to thousands of people around the world and share the stage with some of the world's biggest thought leaders. The Get Real podcast is my way of breaking down the BS of the filters of what we say and what we do. Real life, real issues, real solutions. Trust me when I tell you, it wasn't always like that for me. And I'm excited to help you through sharing what has worked for me, but most importantly, what didn't work for me. In the world of political correctness and living our lives on social media, what is real? In my life, I always look to people who understand what I'm going through and are willing to be real with me to help me move through it. With this podcast, I want to be that person for you. Whether it's just us or I bring in one of my friends, I promise these episodes will make a difference in your life. So strap in, hang on tight, and let's get real. And now it's time to get into the podcast. Here's Lauren. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Get Real and Stay True. Holy doggies, are you all in for probably the best podcast you have ever heard. I don't care who you've listened to, what podcast that you've listened to. I am telling you without a doubt, this podcast today is going to transform your life. And how do I know that it's going to transform your life as I'm actually talking about it? I've got goosebumps as I'm talking about it and actually kind of on the verge of tears as I talk about it too and see your beautiful face, Hazel. My dear, 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 dear friend, um, Hazel Ramsbotham, as she will help me ex explain. She says if we were somewhere else, it'd be Ramsbotham. But I met Hazel three years ago, and it was January three years ago. And I remember I was asked to go to Dubai be for a conference, and I was like, oh, why am I going to Dubai? I was actually going for a day and a half. And I was like, what am I doing going over here just to speak for a day and a half? And uh, Hazel was obviously the reason why I went to Dubai. And I went to the gym early in the morning, not because I wanted to go to the gym. Uh, I wish I could say that. But I went to the gym because I had jet lag. And I was at the gym. I see this beautiful, tall, elegant, silver fox, I'll just say. And... I saw her there and then I went to breakfast because I, I heard they had a great buffet. So while I'm at breakfast, I see Hazel again. And Hazel comes up to me as we're standing in line and she's like, hey, you want to know my story? And I'm like, all right, I guess so. Okay, what's your story? She goes, well, when I was 52, and I'm like, okay, I'm listening now because I was 52 <laughs> at that time. She goes, I bent down, I, I bent down or stood up, you can share the specific story. And my, my knees started to crack. And my son was with, it, with me and he said, mom, your knees aren't supposed to crack when you're 52. And if all you did was 40 deep knee bends, 40 push-ups, and 40 sit-ups every day, by the time you're 80, you'll be able to travel wherever you want, be able to you know, do everything that you've ever wanted to do. And she's like, all right. She goes, well, I can barely do one. And he said, well, you gotta start somewhere. And uh, so anyway, on her 80th birthday, she went up to her son and she said, I owe you my life. And he goes, what are you talking about? She goes, well, my 52 birthday for 52nd birthday, you told me, or 50 sec when I was 52, you said if I did 40 deep knee bends, 40 push-ups, and 40 sit-ups, by the time I was 80, I'd be able to do
do whatever I want. And here I am, I'm doing everything that I ever wanted. And he said, mom, do you know how many thousands and thousands and thousands of people I've told to do those 40 push-ups, 40 sit-ups and 40 deep knee bends? And you actually did it. And I think it's really important for us to realize this, that there's the same information out there. We all know there's information overload, but how many of us actually go out there and do the work? So I said to Hazel, I go, well, how old are you now? And she goes, I'm 86. And I'm like, no freaking way. And she is about to celebrate her 90th birthday on April 1st. I always know your birthday. Um, she's written a book and she will tell you a little bit about herself. But Hazel, you are my inspiration. You know, you're my inspiration. I talk about you all over the world. Whenever I get an opportunity to talk about someone who actually walks their talks and talks about truly doing the do, it's you. So tell us a little bit about you. Did I get the story mostly right, I hope? You've got to remember that the 10 more minutes of cardio is added to those three different kinds of exercises. It has to be 20 minutes a 20 minute workout every day, not three days a week, not four days a week, not five, not six, but seven days a week, 20 <laughs> minute workout. And I did that, but I have added to that. Now I do an hour and a half now every day, but that was just a starter. <laughs> so, so what was it? What was it that made you go, holy doggies, I got to do this. Was it really that, you know, we always talk about people are motivated by pain or pleasure. And was it that you, that it was pain for you to think about not being able to do what you wanted to do later? What was it with that? Well, I was talking about a defining moment. And was that one of those defining moments that you just said something's got to change or what happened? Well, I had noticed my mother getting more and more sedentary and not be able to hardly walk and um, he told me, he said, you won't be like your mother. You'll be able to do this. Well, I was poor <laughs> all of my life. And, and even after, as an adult, it was even worse because I didn't have a husband that provided for the family very well. And I had five children. And so I knew that it was up to me. If it, if it was to be, it was up to me to take care of myself because I knew there was no one to take care of me. And I didn't want anyone to take care of me. I wanted to be able to do it myself. And so I, I knew that I just needed to try this. And I knew he loved me. I knew he cared about me. So I thought, why not do it? It's only, he said, all we have to do is get up 20 minutes earlier just think it doesn't take any more clothing any special clothing it doesn't take any special equipment you don't have to leave the house you can do it whether it's snowing raining or whatever it's doing you can just get up 20 minutes earlier and and do it every day and I taught I was teaching piano and I would start teaching at 6 a.m every day of the week part of that time I was teaching at 6 a.m. every time so I just got up a little bit earlier and did it before I started teaching and it just became a part of my life part of my routine well but like you said like some people they know they know what to do most people know what to do but they just don't do it but you had so much stuff you like you said you had to do it not you had to do it for your kids what else what if what have you learned through doing that about the consistency what have you learned about yourself 
I learned that I could be stronger. I, I, I learned that it would give me more energy. I, I didn't know before that, that that exercise would give you more energy. People say they can't do it because they don't have the energy. Well, that's all the more reason they need to do it. It gives you more energy. And so I just decided that I needed more energy and I would do it. And I knew he loved me. I knew he cared about me. And I decided, I knew he, and, and he was already a triathlete. So I knew he knew what he was talking about. So I thought I might as well do this. And what's really strange about this is that my mother didn't listen to anything I would say. She would just say, oh, you little upstart you. What makes you think you can tell me anything? But I don't feel that way about my children. They have taught me so much. And we can learn from anybody. It doesn't matter. We can learn from babies, actually. What, what have you learned from your kids? What would you say you've learned from your kids? Well, that's one thing I've learned. And another thing I've learned is to be uh, more compassionate with people. I, I've been a little bit impatient with people. And my Daughters have taught me, Mom, you know, you, you don't understand. Some people are different. They're just different. You have to realize that. And one time I said to my, my middle daughter, I was complaining about something, and, and, she, and I said, uh, I didn't like something that was going on. And I said, I don't know why this has to happen. And she says, well, people are different everybody's not like you and I said but the world would be a whole lot better if it were and she <laughs> shook her head and said oh mom <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome so I've learned I've learned a lot I've learned recipes from them I've learned uh, little tricks of things that make my life easier I can't remember anything at the moment but I know it has happened over and over again so who have been some of your mentors in your life other than your kids, your, you know, who have been some other mentors for you and what would you say it's all about to create a long, beautiful, healthy life, the way that, you know, you do live your life. One exercise to learn, being able to learn from everybody and every opportunity. What else would be something that you would say to remind everyone of? To, well, to be consistent with whatever you say you're going to do. And I think a lot of that comes from music because we, I practiced music and I had some detours along the way, but when I started working on my master's in piano performance, I had two-year-old twins, a three-year-old, a nine-year-old, and an 11-year-old, and I was cooking all the meals, I was teaching, and I was getting my, working on my degree. That's why I say, this business is not difficult, though I've done a lot of difficult things. And that was, I had to be consistent about my practice. And when I, my children came along, it was, they were to practice every day because I wanted them all to know music. Not because I wanted them to be professional musicians, not because I wanted them to, you know, to be on the concert stage, but just to make them a better person, to understand the finer things of life and understand music. And so I taught them, all five of them, and I insisted that they practice an hour and a half a day and um, they could break it up. They didn't have to sit there an hour and a half. But 
when it came time to go to a birthday party or something like that, I'd say, well, I guess we can go. I haven't heard you practice today. <gasps> oh, my goodness. All three of them would go, all three younger ones, would go running to the pianos and practicing all at the same time. You can imagine how little they got done. They weren't all in the same place. But <laughs> anyway, they, um, and I was, I was criticized because I was so strict with them. But people would say to me, how do you get your kids to practice? And I said, well, I tell them to. You know, it's just that simple. I tell them to. And they knew that if they lived there, they needed to practice. One time when my my youngest son, the one that got me on this exercise routines, came to me when he was six years old. And he said, I've decided I don't want to play piano anymore. And I said, oh, really? Okay. And I took him in my lap and I said, you know, honey, I love you. I love you very, very much. And I'm offering you this opportunity and you belong to this family. So if you don't want to play, maybe you'd like to go live with another family. Oh. Because everybody in this family plays a musical instrument. Would you, would you like to be a part of this family or do you want to go down the street and live somewhere else? And he said, okay. And he, Okay, I'll play. <laughs> Jumped out out of my lap. And went on about his playing, and that was the end of that. <laughs> wow, that's I love what you said though. You know, I because I would just tell them what to do. It's kind of like you tell your body, okay, it's time to go work out. It's time to go do what we need to go do, right? That's right. And I mean, right. I mean, you have lived you live a beautiful life, full of life. And what what do you think you would tell some of the parents these days? What would you say? Oh I, I think sometimes I, I feel badly that I was so strict with mine, but I, they have all, like in the Proverbs 31, they have all risen up and said blessed because they respect the fact that I made them uh, stick to a regimen. And when my two younger daughters were in swimming, the swim coach came to me when the last one graduated and he said, I have coached girls swim team for X number of years and I've never seen girls do what you yours did. They could hardly even float, could, couldn't swim at all when they came. And yet they both excelled in what they were doing and they both became captains of the team uh, in turn. And he said, I have tried to figure out what it was. And I finally decided it's their music training. And I said, hallelujah, somebody has really understood what music training does for them. It doesn't just teach them to play music. It teaches them to be consistent and persistent and uh, enjoy what they are doing as they get to where they can play. And it teaches them discipline. And he said, I, I've just never seen it happen. And I, I was so happy that he told me that. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. So do you think that a lot of, what do you think for parents these days? Like you said, that to really make sure it's too late for mine. I wasn't um, <laughs> with regards to that. But uh, what, would you, what would you say to parents these days? I mean, some, like you said, one, teaching music. Um, and being consistent, pretty good with the consistency thing. But what would you, what would you, what advice would you give parents these days? So, like you said, you were, you were tough, but it all paid off in the long run. 
but what do you see are some of the challenges that we can, you know, we can become better parents, become better humans, become better, more, you know, more inspirational. What would you say? I think the, the key to it is consistency. We have to be consistent. If we're not feeling very good and our children are misbehaving, we might be harsh with them and mad and everything because they, and just upset with them. But we need to be consistent and, and be the same with them all the time. They don't know how to handle somebody that is going to be up one minute and down the next minute and, right. and, 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 and allow them to get by with things that have been told they couldn't do before. And all of a sudden they're able to do it. I mean, that really confuses children. And I believe they need to be taught about God. They need to be taught that God loves us and he disciplines us. And we need to know how to be disciplined and we need to discipline our children and be consistent with them. And because the Bible says that if you love them, you will discipline them because love is teaching them how to live a better life. And they can live a better life if they learn to obey. Because if they don't learn to obey you, they won't obey their teachers. Then they won't obey the authorities they won't obey anyone if you haven't taught them to obey you and i, I never I, i've heard children say to their parents i hate you i could i didn't have a child ever say that and they might have thought that but they didn't say it out loud i would have never allowed my children to say things like that to me or to chase them you know when i ask them to come to me i expect them to come to me i'm not going to go find them they need to come to me. And I see parents allowing that to happen and people, children misbehaving in stores and things like that. That would have never happened in my household. <laughs> right. And so it really goes back to your values, right? We, um, my friend Keith Cunningham always says, you get what you tolerate, right? And oh. so, you know, for you, what would you say your top, obviously respect would be a top value for you? consistency is a top value. I mean, you can hear it through everything you say, and it's, it's a non-negotiable for you. Would you say that's, that? It's a non-negotiable, right? Yeah, right. It's a non-negotiable. And, and as the children grow up at first, you know, I believe in capital punishment. I believe in spanking them, but I believe in being, uh, not, not hurting them. I mean, not bruising them and all of that. It, it has to hurt or work really good. But I mean, teach them from the time they're really tiny. You can start that when they're just months old to tell them no, and they learn the meaning of that. But then be positive, be positive with them as well. And as they grow, then you, you don't have to spank them. Then as they grow more, you they outgrow that. You learn, they learn to respect what you ask them to do without the capital punishment. And uh, at a, you know, by the time they're preteen, they don't need to be, they don't need that kind of discipline. They need a different kind. And I'm not saying I, I did things right and perfectly all the time, believe me. Uh, I learn a lot of things. When we have our family reunions every two years, we all get together in a, in a resort somewhere, and I hear them talking to each other, and I hear them saying things that they did that I didn't know anything about. But <laughs> it was probably a good thing. I didn't know anything about it. but they knew right from wrong and even though they were 
regular children. They were mischievous. They did all kinds of things, but they knew that I loved them and that I was doing things for their good. And I would talk to them when I would have to discipline. I would say, would say do you know why you're getting disciplined for this? And I think that's the most important thing is explaining the why. I think a lot of people don't take the time to really explain why. So and you discipline when you're angry and you can't do that. I mean, you can't, you can't take your anger out on your children because they can see that. You have to be calm enough to say, do you know why I'm doing this because I love you? I'm, it hurts me. And I know you don't understand that, but it hurts me because I have to discipline you. If I don't discipline you, then I'm going to be punished. I have to do it. Yeah. But because I love you. Oh. So I love this. I love, I love hearing from you because I mean, now your kids, that now you have grandkids and great grandkids, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And you keep those, it sounds like those, those, uh, you really, I mean, and that they, Actually, would you say most of your kids are thankful now for how you were? Or what would you say? Most of them? You have five? Yeah, five, yeah. Well, what did you, what, repeat the question, please. Well, do so you think they're, they're thankful for that discipline oh. now? Oh, they've thanked me many times over, especially where music is concerned. They've thanked me for... <laughs> Yeah. I said they spanked you. <laughs> they thanked me many times. For one, my oldest son is a professional bassist, and he has thanked me so many times because they and my oldest daughter is uh, she does what I did. She has the same credentials, much better pianist than I ever was, actually, and she teaches uh, in her own home studio, and they have. They appreciate it. All of them, all five of them, have thanked me for giving them the music training that that I gave them, and just having a, a home where we ate all our meals together. I'm finding out more and more that very few people do that these days. But we always had our our breakfast was always they always had breakfast. They always had uh, lunch if. It was in the summertime, but, but we always had dinner together every night, early, 5 o'clock, 5.15, something like that. But uh, they just weren't allowed to be gone. I wouldn't have ever even thought about them going somewhere else uh, at time for us to have dinner. But nowadays, the, the sports people in the schools demand so much from the kids, and they have to be at the practice and all of this. It, did, it wasn't like that when mine were in school. Yeah. They didn't have that 24-7 control over the kids. Yeah. I know. I, when we were doing the lacrosse with Quinn, it was right. I was like, really? And running one to one practice and then running another one to another practice. And mm -hmm. yeah. So it's, a, yeah, it's a totally different world. So what, what drives you, Hazel? What drives you now? I mean, you've raised your kids, you have your businesses, you've written your book. What what drives you? What keeps you going? Um, I see improvement with my, with, are you talking about my exercise routine? Just anything, just what drives you in your life? What keeps you going? Well, I believe in, I, I believe in health and I did not realize I could improve. I realized when I started falling, I finally realized after I'd fallen several times, wound up in the hospital, 
that it was my balance that was causing me to my lack of balance. And so I've been working on my balance every day to try to improve on that. And I can see improvement. And that's what keeps me going is knowing that I can improve. And I am very excited about health and fitness now, although all of my training was in music. I took a class uh, to become a certified health coach after I quit teaching. And I just think that there are so many people out there that do not understand the, the secret of what fruits and vegetables can do for you. And it's just, I feel like it's my job to teach them. I'm passionate about inspiring healthy living around the world. And so when I come in contact with anyone, we talk about various things and pretty soon something comes up about their health because everybody I know has had knee replacements and knee surgeries and I haven't had. And I think it's because I started those deep knee bends at that early age, I call it early, <laughs> because 50, 50 seems really, 52 so seems much. really early to me. Thank you so much for saying that early age, because now I'll be 55 this year, and now how many are you up to? It was 40, I need to know what you're up to now. Oh, I don't, I don't do any more than that. Okay, uh, goodness. When I go to the gym, <laughs> I go to the gym three, uh, three days a week, uh, the senior citizens has a class, and it starts at 7.30 to 8.30, and I go when they open at seven and I'm on the elliptical for half an hour. And then I do the class with, which is a combination of weight bearing and uh, aerobics and just a, ver a variety of things that we do. So it's an hour and a half. And then on the Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday, I walk in the neighborhood for an hour and a half, hour, 15 minutes to an hour and a half. And then on Sundays, I do my routine. I do that routine that you're talking about, and a lot of stretching, and uh, I, do, I do about an hour and a half on, on Sunday morning, too. Well, you know what I love, Hazel, is that everybody's, like, all into, like, um, their routines, like, and figuring out a routine. People say, I don't have a routine, and they're all excited about a routine, and you just live it, you know? I mean, I know for me that that's my foundation, too, is, like, having those things that, that, are, that are those you can't talk me out of doing those things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it seems like a lot of people, like you said, have just kind of like, okay, like I'll do these things if I have time. Right. No, it has to be, it has to be a lifestyle. And when I was first doing it, I was still going to the music teachers conferences all over the United States, different place every year. And I didn't even know there was such a thing as a gym in the hotels. I, I, I was so ignorant. I just, did my little routine in the room. So I'd be in the room with two or three other women. We were, you know, trying to cut down on the expenses. So we'd double up in the rooms. And at six o'clock in the morning, I'd be down on the floor doing my push-ups. And they'd be sleeping and they'd wake up and, and I'd try to be quiet. <laughs> and they would say, what are you doing? They were so shocked that I was down on the floor doing this, doing my exercises because it was a part of my life. It was, it was just, a lifestyle and uh, <laughs> I've learned since then that they do have gems in hotels and you can go there but I didn't know that at the time and uh, some of them charge extra for it so I'm not going to do that I can do my exercises and and the thing that I think people are are confused about or, or 
misinformed about is they seem to think that they have to go to a gym. They have to go pay a gym membership. No, you don't. You don't have to do that. You can exercise without ever going to a gym if you want to. And you don't have to. It's not an expense, it, but it does need to become your lifestyle. It's not something you do today and forget it tomorrow. You just have to do it every day. And don't put it off because the more you put it off, the easier it is to put it off the next day. You just think, oh, I don't feel good today. I think I'll, I'll wait till tomorrow. Well, tomorrow you're not going to feel any better. <laughs> so that's the way it goes. What's next for Hazel? What's going on? What's up with Hazel? What What does this next decade represent for you, Hazel? You've seen a lot. Well, seen, what are some of the things that you've seen that you thought to yourself, oh my gosh, I can't ever imagine that I would see that in my lifetime that just has blown your mind? And, yeah. uh, and what are you looking forward to? Well, I do a lot of traveling and I just am, I feel so blessed because of my good health. And one thing, one of my sons, this one that got me started on the exercise routine is a pilot and I can fly anywhere in the world I want to go free <laughs> and it, it is standby and so I have to be flexible I have to be but since I'm not teaching anymore I don't have to be anywhere at any certain time so I can fly standby if I get bumped that's okay um, I also have I also have a life membership to the sky club so I can have food anytime I want in, in the airport if they have the Scott Club. Most big, large airports have it. And so I just figure that I am I can travel anywhere I want, whenever I want. And I am enjoying being able to share my life with people. I have often people come for lunch. When I meet new people and they want Later on, they say, well, we've got to get together for lunch. And I say, good, come to my house and have lunch with me because I like to cook and I like to serve people. And, and I have usually when I have a dinner, you know, I'll have at least eight people. And I love to use the china that I got for wedding present back in 1949. And it's made, Noritake made in occupied Japan. It says right on it, made in occupied Japan. and I don't, I still have all the pieces. There's not any chips or anything on them. And uh, I love fixing a beautiful table and having company come and, and visit with them. And I still play piano every day. I have these, do you know what a fake book is? In all musicians know what a fake book is. It is a book, a great big thick book that has nothing in it, but the line of the, one line of, of the tune, the words and the chord symbols above it. That's all it is. And they used to be illegal, but now they're legal. And I have some of those. And the one I'm working with right now has 1,225 songs in it. And they're alphabetized, but they're also, you can also get them according to topics if you want to look up a certain topic like uh, uh, Broadway shows or religious ones or love songs or, you know, it looks up those, but 
Anyway, it's alphabetized, and I decided a few months ago I'm going to go through that and play every song in it. So every day when I play the piano, I'm, I play some more songs. I'm down to the M's now in this book. <laughs> I've, done, I've done it all up until the M's. Well, I'm happy I know I have a little bit of Hazel in me because um, I, too, love, I use my china whenever I can get an opportunity. I still love to set a good table. Um, I'm probably not as good a cook as you, but um, at least I like to have people over. So when you come, oh, to us, we're going to have to get together. I'm sure you do very well because anything you do is very good. You asked me who my mentors are. You are one of them. I want you to know that. <laughs> Well, you are definitely one of mine, and I appreciate you. So normally I ask people at the very end, what is it that they do to stay true to themselves? Well, you've just shared this. What That's what this whole talk has been about. Talk about, I mean, this, this podcast was really inspired by people like you, people that are staying true and being real and just living their truth, you know, if you would. And like, I remember when we were in Dubai and we went and did, what was that called? Sand duning, the thing that I never yeah. need to do again. You loved it. You were like, I about this. was like, get me out of here. And you were just going for it. You just really remind us all to live and live fully, right? I think that that's what I learned when we're, whether it was when we were with the camels or when we were the, the ATVs, you wouldn't get on the back of one of those with me, but uh, the sand duning thing you would do, which I just, sand bashing, whatever it was called. <laughs> you just loved it. So um, I appreciate you so much. I'm really looking forward to seeing you very soon. And uh, if people want to get your book, how do they get your book? How do they, can they get your book, Hazel? You can get it on Amazon. It's called 88 Keys to Living a Long and Purposeful Life. And I urge you to read the last uh, appendix. And the last appendix of when my two older children had already left home and we had the three younger ones and we went on a 14-day pack trip with without a tent. We were definitely living in the elements and we had for, for our tent, we had a flat piece of nylon tarp, just a flat one, and we just made a little lean-to for that at night. It was difficult, though, when we got up above uh, Timberline to have a place for our tent, our, our, our tent that we made from that, from that uh, tarp. And we had a donkey. I made the donkey. I made the panniers for the donkey. And he carried our utensils and our food. And everybody carried their own bedroll and one change of clothes. And that's how we roughed it for 14 days. And it, that appendix in the back of the book tells the, the exact writing that I did every night around the campfire before we went to bed. And it's, so that's the way it is in the book. The other part of the book is just telling different things that I've learned. And it's not chronological, but does have in the appendixes, it gives the timeline and the order of uh, keys. The keys are like keys on the piano. It's double entendre, you know. I was 88 when I wrote it, and it's 88 keys on the piano, so the title goes with that. If you get it from me, I it's $20, and I will personally autograph it for you. So if you see me, 
I will have one with me because I always <laughs> carry at least one in my hand. <laughs> so, well, I happy birthday, happy big 90th birthday, Hazel. And uh, I love you and I appreciate you. And thanks so much. If you enjoyed the show, make sure that you share it with all of your friends. And Hazel and I look forward to hearing about how she has inspired you to go out there and do those 40 push-ups, those 40 deep push-ups, 40 sit-ups. Did I say it right? And the cardio every single yes, day. And more minutes of cardio, making it 20 minutes all together. Making yes. it 20 minutes. Well, thank you so much, Hazel, and we will talk with you soon. Stay right. tuned. Thank you. Ready to start 2020 strong? Go to laurenlahav.com. That's L-O-R-E-N-L-A-H-A-V.com and learn more about Lauren's manifestation course. Use code Stay True for your podcast subscriber discount.